Hello and welcome to Feminist Frequency's Star Trek podcast. Today we're diving into Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episodes 10 and 11. I'm your host, Anita Sarkeesian, and you know the drill, it's December, so before we get into it, we are at the uh, end of the year where we have our big end of year campaign to help support all the work that Feminist Frequency does. Um, our main mission right now is to end abuse in the games industry. Uh, and, you know, we make these podcasts that you seem to enjoy because you keep coming back for them. So if you want to help us keep doing all of this work, go to feministfrequency.com slash donate. All right. I am very excited. I'm excited every week. Our guests, we have the best guests on this show. And I'm okay. So first, we have Steve Shies back. You know him. I'm on his show. He's on our show. He's in every season. Nobody, he don't need introductions anymore, but. I'm not even going to say anything. I'm just going to sit here and be quiet for the whole hour. That is not true, even a little bit. <laughs> um, but Steve's a YouTuber who makes videos where he talks about Star Trek and other things that. You, you know, the bio says other things you won't find as interesting, but I'm going to say other things you didn't know that he talks about. Because when I came on his show, I just assumed he would talk about Star Trek. And he's like, God damn it, we can talk about whatever you want. <laughs> and guess what? I'm sick of Star Trek. We talked about Star Trek anyways. We did. We did. For, like, <laughs> for like three quarters of the And then we talked about Patrick Swayze oh, a little. So God, we really should start a Patrick Swayze podcast. I would be so down for that. Yeah. All right. Um, and we are joined also by Annalie Newitz, who um, you have been in our Feminist Frequency radio podcast, but you've never been on our Star Trek podcast. I know. I feel like I'm doing like the deep cut of Feminist Frequencies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. So for you, for those of you who aren't familiar, um, Annalie Newitz writes science fiction and nonfiction. They are the author of uh, the book Four Lost Cities, A Secret History of the Urban Age. And the novels, The Future of Another Timeline, which that was dope. It's feminist science fiction travel through time. Super good. Y'all should check that out. And you should check out the Feminist Frequency Radio episode where we talked about um, feminist time travel. Uh, and also you wrote Autonomous, which I'm sure is delightful. I haven't read it. I'm sorry. That was a very sad follow up. <laughs> Just the other one. It has gay robot um, which sex. One? So, you know, check it out at some point oh. when you need that in your life. I think I do. Yeah. I think I do need that. I think this is the right time for that. Yes, the season. Um, <laughs> um, which won the Lambda Literary Award. As a science journalist, they are a contributing opinion writer for the New York Times and have a monthly column in New Scientist. They're also the co-host of the Hugo Award-winning podcast, Our Opinions Are Correct, which you've heard of already because Charlie Jane Anders was also on uh, an episode of our show, uh, I'm bragging about how cool all my friends are um, and because the podcast is fantastic. This is like a, a big crossover season for us, basically. <laughs> yeah, it really feels like it. Um, and previously, they were the founder of io9 and served as the editor-in-chief of Gizmodo. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm so excited to have both of you here. I have so many feelings about these episodes, too, especially because it's like the second half of a two-parter and the first half of a two-parter. So we get yeah. to just, you know, spoil everything. I timed this very badly. Would you like to know what happened? Uh, our listeners know because it happened live on air and Charlie Jane was the reason for it. I was like, there's only two more or there's only three more episodes left. And Charlie Jane was like, um... No, no, there isn't. I was like, fuck, we gotta I gotta schedule one more like whole chunk. And it was I had already like scheduled people and I didn't want to move things around too much and blah 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 blah. So like normally I would have done the two parters together. Obviously, that would make more sense. But you know, we're just fly by the seat of our pants here at Feminist Frequency. We like to have such a variety of opinions breaking things in half. So is this is like this is that liminality, you know? Like we're yeah. we're at the edge of two double episodes exactly. i don't even know it's it's yeah we need the spore drive to figure it out <laughs> yes yes we do um okay so uh i would love so we've had steve on the show before um and but um annalee you've never been on the show uh and also like we've never talked to you about star trek or discovery so you know like can you just let us know how you're feeling about this season as we enter into this conversation well i think it's important that you ask me about my feelings because i this season is all about feelings and it's really been interesting <laughs> to see the shift from the first two seasons to the third season i mean obviously there's been a whole temporal shift and we've gone into the future but suddenly our medical doctor slash undead gay boyfriend, Culber, has become 
uh, basically the ship's counselor. Although I guess he's also a medical doctor. I don't know. He's doing everything, any kind of caretaking you need, he's doing. And I feel like the shift in his character is reflected a lot in this season, dealing with a lot of kind of therapeutic and processy issues. Like, I feel like there's been a lot more about psychology this season. It gives me a big next generation feeling um, because I feel like in Star Trek Next Generation, a lot of the time there would be these episodes where we dealt with, um, you know, our crew dealt with other creatures and other civilizations by trying to have like a therapeutic diplomatic relationship with them um, instead of just like shooting and murdering, which is also, you know, fun or whatever. And they'll do that on Picard. <laughs> um, but I thought I, that's one of the things that's really been interesting to me. And I'm sure we'll talk about that in this episode because of course, one of the, episodes is all about how a very sad person who needs therapy is like destroying the universe which um is again a very kind of uh, you know i got so huh, i know i have so huh, many thoughts huh. i have many, I have many <laughs> angry thoughts to share about that um but i would say overall i have enjoyed the turn toward a more therapeutic um vision of the future i love that um the science team is like a hundred percent gay mushrooms now um, that's been a <laughs> never ending source of delight for me. I love that there's trans and non-binary characters. Um, so I would say this is probably my favorite season of the show so far, uh, for all those reasons. So I'm, I'm enjoying it. i I feel like the show is uneven overall, but, um, it's definitely, I mean, I'm a fan, so I'm going to watch no matter what. So, but I, I, I'm sure. liking it <laughs> sure. is what I'm trying to say. We're all stuck in that hell loop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fan, so I'm going to watch it, and it's going to be miserable, but I'm doing it anyways. I mean, I don't feel that way about this season, but I have felt that way previously. Yeah, there have been some some bad times. There's always been incredible acting. I love the characters. Obviously, Michael Burnham Mm -hmm. is is amazing when they're not kind of forcing her to be, like, you know, sidekick to Spock, which was an annoying moment last season or moments but um yeah i'm glad you know and she has like a cool new boyfriend now which i love oh so hot just yeah book and (laughs) grudge is like one of my new favorite characters so that's exciting that there's a cat character so again that's kind of a callback to next generation when data had spot the cat um i'm sure we all remember spot so we Mm -hmm. certainly do We certainly do. So there are my right, feelings. Cool. Thank you for letting me like share them. Yeah. I feel, we are I feel a, a, a pro feeling podcast here. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Well, so why don't we recap the episodes as we do? We steal them directly from the Star Trek website because why would we bother trying to write our own? That would involve prep work. Um, and and then like, let's dive into it because I think there's a lot to, to sink our teeth into on this one. So uh, Steve, why don't you d- uh, read to us? Episode 10. Alrighty. Episode 10, Terra Firma, Part 2. Giorgio uncovers the true depths of the plot against her, leading her to a revelation about how deeply her time on the USS Discovery truly changed her. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> okay, and then episode 11. Annalie, if you want to read that. Annalie, we just had a whole conversation about how to pronounce your name, and I'm just doing the opposite now. It's, it's fine. Total- it actually <laughs> is totally fine. I'm not, I'm not very perturbed. All right. Episode 11, Sukal. Discovery ventures to the Verubin Nebula, where Burnham, Saru, and Culber make a shocking realization about the origin of the burn as the rest of the crew faces an unexpected threat. Ooh. Um, so fun <laughs> fact that we learned last week on um, from uh, Bobak, who is a guest who works at JPL, um, found out, like, informed us that the Verubin Nebula is most likely named after a scientist or a someone named Verubin who's famous. And I am not sharing the fact, but that is based on a person that did some cool shit. So nice. That's cool. Yeah. There's that a lot cool. of hat tips to science. I mean, we've also got Stamets. Especially in this season. Yeah, it's nice. Like, they finally actually were like, oh, science, right. That's a real thing <laughs> in the world that we should, like, you know, talk to people about. Uh-huh. All right, so let's start with episode 10 so we can wrap up the, you know, all the boring shit that happened in this two-episode arc. Um I okay, so I actually really, really hated episode nine. I hated the first part of this two-parter. And episode 10, I actually like didn't hate. 
Um, I think that they like, and I, and I realized I, I sort of had this, um, I suspected in episode nine or in, in the first part of it that this was a way to write Giorgio off the show. And I didn't really like, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if that's what's going to happen. I was a little disappointed, but I'm like, why are you making such a big deal out of this? So in episode 10, when you do learn that she's ultimately being written off the show, at least for now, um, it seems like forever, but who knows? It's timey-wimey. That um, I like that they did really give her a lot. Like, she's an important character. She means a lot to Michael. Um, I like that they actually, like, gave her time to process this this end and that they didn't just, like, kill her off, which would be, like, an easy thing to do. Well, they can't kill her off because she's going to be on Section 31. She's good. Yeah, she's getting her own show. Shut up. Yeah, cool. dude, she's yeah. going to be on the show yeah. with Sexy Vogue. That's I only know him as Sexy Voke. I'm sorry. I'm sure he has another sexy name, Volk. but he's, you know, he's like. See, Fernan's I don't know why ex. I have a Star Trek podcast. I don't know shit about shit. I watch like the main show. I haven't even watched Lower Decks. I don't. What? I, See, you started talking about the animated yeah. series before. I never you're didn't like, even know that existed. Like, why am I here? <laughs> you're 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 like I am with my with my friends who are like Star Wars super fans. Because I'm exactly that way with Star Wars. Yeah. Like, I like it. I'll watch the main stuff. But when they start going in about extended universe and animated series, I'm just like, yeah, whatever. I didn't yeah, watch same. that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, but, but you, I was but like, Steve, I was like, you don't a, have a Star Wars a podcast. That's, no, that's, that's a great point. <laughs> yeah. That's a great point. I do not have a Star Wars podcast. I'll be the audience stand-in. For all of my amazing guests that actually know about Star Trek and also do their research before they come on board. <laughs> no pun intended. Wow. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, anyway, so she's going to be I on thought, Section 31. We've established that. Continue. Sorry. That's yeah. delightful. I, I thought it was because I really like the character of, of Mirror Giorgio. And I really like what Michelle Yeoh has done with her. And I love how sassy she is and how sarcastic she is and how cutting and biting she is. I think she's a great character. And given what they had to accomplish with her as far as not only writing her off the show and setting her up for her own series at some point, but also wanting it to have sort of an emotional impact and and wanting to kind of rehabilitate her so that she can be a protagonist of her own show. I think it, they probably did as good of a job as they could have, but I'm still not entirely sold on her being rehabbed into a more heroic character. Like there were, there were, there were moments in this episode where like she's saying things like she's saying the right things. You know, when she's telling the mirror version of Michael, like trying to, she's telling, you know, I've seen the way life can be. I've seen the, another way to live and it's a wonderful, you know, and we, we can do things a different way and, and we can, and I'm like, when did she change? Right. You know, it feels like she's come a, such a long way. And I guess it's not impossible that she could have changed in her heart at some point. And she's just been still treating everybody like shit because, you know, she's she doesn't want to be that revealing or open or whatever. Or she feels, you know, vulnerable or insecure about it. But we I don't remember seeing any indication that she other than her her personal relationship with Michael, that she had really changed I, as far as how she looked I at the world. I think that she could still be an asshole and not be like a murderous rampagey person. You, you know what I mean? Like she can <laughs> right, still right. be kind of like um, disarming and, you know, like the, at the, at the end when they had all of those, like the toast to Philippa, like I, I kind of liked that they were like, she's kind of a shit bag, but somehow she found her way into our hearts, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think like, yeah. it, it's funny because this is also, I totally agree that they kind of didn't earn that beat where she's like, oh, now I love Kelpians or whatever at the end. Um, yeah, totally. But at the same time, <laughs> you know, it feels like the mirror universe also has changed in ways that that they didn't really earn because it started out that the mirror universe was basically, it, it wasn't even sustainable. It was this like fantastical hyperfascism mm. that would never work because everyone is just constantly murdering each other at rates that, that don't, you right. can't even replace people at the rate that they were murdering them. Um, and, and then in this, in this episode, in this two parter, suddenly mirror universe is more like just like the dark, sarcastic, bitchy version of like our universe, where it's like instead of saying black alert, they're like black alert. Like they have, <laughs> I, I love that scene on the bridge where they're like, the captain, we're being 
hailed. And it was like, okay, so now it's just like, I don't know, it's like the Ryan Murphy version of Star Trek instead of, oh you my know, God. Like, <laughs> oh, I would love to watch that yeah, show. I mean, but I that was totally kind of what show. it felt like they were gesturing at. Yeah. And so... Um, and so it kind of it kind of made sense that somehow now it was just like the bitchy, slightly murdery version. Um, I I do see I, I don't I don't disagree with any of this. Like they they rushed they, they rushed character development uh, because I think they must have been like, oh, shit, we got to do this now kind of thing. Right. Um, but I do think it sets it up now that I know that she's going to have her own show to be like <clears throat> Like a seven of nine character, really, right? A, a character that's mm-hmm. um, really struggling with like their own upbringing and their own instincts versus like knowing that there's another way. And like that tension, I think, is like perfect for Star Trek, right? I think it's a, yeah. it's a, you know, she's going to meet well, and- people that are going to challenge her. She's going to like go back and forth. And it's about like emotional and, uh, emotional growth and so we'll see if they can handle that because i feel like <laughs> well also i mean remember section 31 is basically like the sort of cia dirty tricks wing of right. starfleet right which is why Voke is going to go there too because it's like people who are loyal but also aren't afraid to like just you know murder oh this is gonna bit. be terrible then it's it could be terrible or could be amazing. Like if it really is Ryan Murphy doing Star Trek. I mean, not actually Ryan Murphy, but like, do you know what I mean? Like not if it yet. just is like the sort of bitchy, pointy, angry, we do dirty tricks version. I don't know. It, it probably will be terrible. I wonder if all of these I, different. I wonder if all the different shows that they're like spooling off here, um, which is new for Star Trek, right? Like mm-hmm. it's this is yeah. Oh, yeah. this is not. Uh, I think I wonder if like each is going to have its own particular flavor, right? And so we can't, it, it's going to be, the the analysis of it is going to have to be a lot different than this feels like Star Trek or doesn't feel like Star Trek. Like, not that I'm reducing what we're doing to that, but I I tend to fall into that of like, oh, these are the moments. Like, you know, when the, the episode this season where Michael had to go and, um, prove herself to the the council of folks to get the information. Like I was like, that's fucking Star Trek right there, man. It's like <laughs> dumb and boring and wonderful and kind of makes you cry a little bit because it's like talking about ethics. Um, but I don't think we're going to be able to keep doing that or like, you know, each of these shows are going to have a different tone and a different flavor. So that'll, that's interesting. That'll be interesting. Yeah. I don't, I don't really like the sort of like evil incognito CIA kind of machinations. Like it feels like, the opposite of what Starfleet stands for. Um, and also Starfleet is military and I don't like that we glorify and glamorize military anyways. So like, you know, I don't know. That's I, 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 I know there are, there are Star Trek fans that have been slobbering for a section 31 series pretty much ever since they introduced the concept way, way, way back in deep space nine. I have never really been one of them. Like I, I will watch the show and I mean, it may very well be a great show, like especially if it's centered on Giorgio and and they write her as well as as uh, they could, but I mean, yeah, it, it just the it's one of those ideas where it's like just the concept itself doesn't sell me on it. Yeah, like is you it going to be a J.J. Like, Abrams TV show Star Trek? Like that would be my worst <laughs> well, fucking nightmare. <laughs> well, but see, and, and not see, I, I like the, yeah, the, the Abrams we know. movies for the most part, but, but <laughs> <laughs> shut the fuck up about J.J. Abrams, <laughs> my God. Um, but I um. But, you know, like like when I heard that they were going to do the Captain Pike show, like I was sold on that as soon as they said that. I was like, oh, it's going to – oh, uh, like a throwback classic Star Trek show about Captain Pike's version of the Enterprise. I'll, I'm going to watch that no matter what. When they said Section 31 series, I was like, well, okay, I'll watch it. I'll give it a shot. Maybe it'll be good. Maybe it won't. Yeah. Like the idea doesn't grab me, but I'm open to it being a good show. Um, I did like that they didn't go full like last act Grinch with Giorgio, like she doesn't completely turn into a good person. You see, like in b- before she goes back through the door and she says her goodbyes, there are, there are indications when she's still the emperor that she's still pretty brutal. She's just not openly committing genocide anymore. Yeah, you know, she's still doing underhanded things. She's still violent. She hasn't completely reformed, but she has. She's figured out. Oh, you don't have to murder everybody. Also, you, you know? don't. You don't like, have to be like a de- cannibal anymore. Because based, I mean, I know that Kelpians are not her species, but it's another sentient group of creatures. You know, it's yeah. kind of that's kind of the idea of cannibalism: is don't eat other people that you can have a conversation with. 
Um, so it's like that's a good rule. It's just a general rule. It's just like one of those. By. You know, you'd think it would be kind of part of the prime directive or something, but like. Yeah, so I think she, yeah, so I think she she's reformed a little, but she's she's going to fit in well in Section 31, because that's the place where you can be kind of ruthless and bloodthirsty, but still step back from, as you said, like full genocide and full just like eating people's <laughs> brains for fun. So yeah. we have a little bit more of Carl, the guardian of forever, the space-time cop, <laughs> and, uh, you know, he, he's not like... He's important in the this two-parter, but like we don't see a ton of him. But I'm I Annalie did a bunch of research apparently and came very prepared uh, that there is a history of the Guardian of Forever in Star Trek. That's right. Well, I watched the extremely important uh, animated series episode yesteryear to prepare for this Guardian of Forever return. Um, and as I'm sure all of you recall. Um, Guardian of Forever is when Spock travels through time and accidentally changes history. This is like what always happen in, happens in Guardian of Forever type episodes. Is like you go back, you yeah. screw everything up, then you have to go back and re-screw it up <laughs> even more. So Spock has to go back and save his own life um, in history, in Vulcan history. And in the process, um, we meet uh, a very important Star Trek character Ichaya, who was um, the saber-toothed cat pet of Spock when he was a kid. And Spock is still still really sad that Ichaya unfortunately died during this episode in the history of Spock's life. Um, so I think, you know, um, how relevant is this information to our present-day incarnation of the Guardian of Forever? Not much, other than it seems <laughs> like the Guardian of Forever... I mean, now the Guardian of Forever is in hiding. So he used to be, I guess, easier to find, and now he has to move from planet to mm-hmm. planet because he's, you know, like a refugee from the Temporal Cold War um, and or the Time Wars. And um, so the only other thing I would say is that it really does seem amazing that every time they use the Guardian of Forever, they manage to screw something up in their personal lives that they have to fix. Um, and that was kind of interesting, too, that, that it seems, again, going back to my my point about therapy, um, it just seems like a lot of this is about, like, how do we do work on ourselves? and <laughs> Like, how do we kind of re-encounter ourselves and, um, and fix it up? And certainly that's what Georgia is having to do, right, is kind of go back and and revisit herself and and kind of replay events uh, in a way that's slightly better. Um, you know, there's still murder, but less. Um, <laughs> and uh, less and murder. also I would point out that um, Grudge remains alive. So there's no, nothing happens to Grudge. So no pets are harmed uh, in this version. <laughs> Not that that's really no, relevant, no, but they, I just want to throw but, that in. But important. Yeah, important. Important. Should have, uh, we, to remind the grudge. writers that this is essential for us as I viewers. I feel like there's a lot pets of, are being you know, there's a lot of work that's done in the scripts to make sure that we know that they know that Grudge is still on that ship, on Book's ship. And like... That, <laughs> that shit with, um, when they... So Grudge is enormous, by the way. When you yeah. see like... Uh, I don't know if the cat has a gender, but when you see the cat like being held, you're like, holy yeah. shit, you're enormous. Um, and yeah. Book is like, yeah. she's favoring her left front paw. Can you take a look? And I was like, God, you're so hot. Could you be any hotter? No. I just, I love you. I, <laughs> I just love you so much. Yeah. You and Michael forever yeah. with grudge. And let's just, I want that. Look, I don't want Michael to like leave the main cast, but I really want the Michael and Book like rogue renegade spinoff. So much. I think that would be. Yeah, we need to have <gasps> more episodes that are just them. I think um, that would be really great. Except now he's kind yeah. of, I mean, one of the things that happened in this episode was that um, Book is making himself useful to the science team. So he's joined the the right. gay mushroom science crew, uh, which is exciting. It's nice to see him doing that and seeing how it's. I just don't want him to get sucked into Starfleet, but yeah. I also don't see any other future for that because like. Mike, like unless they break up Michael and Book, which there was a there was a little something in the like next episode uh, teaser about like I'm not going to see you for a while or whatever kind of bullshit. But I just I don't want I don't want him to become Starfleet. I really really don't. Yeah. And I really wanted Michael to leave Starfleet, even though I knew that wasn't going to happen because of the 
structure of the the storytelling of the show. But uh, uh, honestly, and I I'm not trying to jinx it, and I really hope I'm wrong about this, but I will be very happy if Book makes it out of this season alive. No, oh god, they can't I, do I, that. I, I no, I because I'll tell you why. Because it was a couple episodes ago. There's that when Book and Saru have that moment in the corridor when Book is like. You know, hey, uh, since I'm going to be around, maybe I can make myself useful. And Saru gives him that meaningful look. And he says, well, I'm sure that you will have the opportunity to prove yourself at some yeah, point. Yeah, but I thought, and I saw oh, that no. and I thought, oh, shit, they're going to kill him. sacrifices himself. But I felt like that was. Yeah. I thought that was more I, I, I set up. I hope I'm wrong. I, hope you're wrong. I, I feel like that's more set I'm up wrong. for like him popping into both of these episodes being like, I got something. I can do something. I got something. Look at me. I got I a thing. I hope that's it. I think that that's I more so of what I because I, I, hope that's it. I am not interested in having like the cool black guy sacrifice himself for our crew. That is no, not. Nor am I. I, but if, if he does, if they don't do that, then I, yeah, because like, I'm not sure what, his future on the show is because I don't, I, I don't see him becoming a Starfleet guy. Cause that would be kind of boring for, with a character like maybe that. Maybe he needs to go rebuild um, his home world or something like that's yeah, how they get I, him off the show, which I, I yeah, don't want even a little bit. I don't think, I don't think he, I don't think he and Michael are going to be together at the end, which is unfortunate. I hate you. You're like, never for, coming for back her. on the show ever again. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm not, I'm just, I'm just trying to read the tea leaves. I'm just, it's like, uh. you know, I'm just trying, I'm thinking like they've got, I'm trying to figure out how they're going to move these. I would love it if he just stayed on the ship and it was just like this and every, and like two or three times a season, there was some reason for him and Michael or him and a randomly selected crew member to get on his ship and go off and have a wacky adventure. I would love that. I don't think that's what they're going to do. But I would absolutely love think that. He can just be, have Book be there. Yeah. That's what I was thinking is he would just be kind of their internal, like. He would just be yeah. there. He's like an he has his, He's like their, I want to say, <laughs> I keep wanting to say, like, he's like their internal external guy. He's like the guy who has his own ship who can, like, no. boop out of. Oh, no, no. This is perfect. This He's like, he's like their sexy cat daddy version of Neelix. He has his own ship. Wow, that's he's, not. He's uh, more familiar. He's that more familiar. I'm sorry. A little bit. Oh boy, I'm really, I'm really getting oh, kicked man. off the show now. I love um, sexy cat he, daddy. He though. Had, that's a good sexy cat daddy <laughs> Neelix. He's because because he knows more about this this era than they do. Just like Neelix knew more about the Delta Quadrant mm-hmm, than the Voyager crew did. He has his own ship, so he can go out and do his own shit if he needs to. He's he could be sort of like their guide in this bold new future that they still don't quite have figured out. And that would justify his presence on the ship and they wouldn't have to kill him and they wouldn't have to have him and Michael break up. He could just be there and there's a justification for it. And I, I don't think they're going to kill him. The, I really don't. He's the voice of I, like I really environmentalism he's a great too, character. which is one of the things yeah. that they've yeah. barely done anything with, like where he's kind Spin-off of- Spin-off show. It's like, yeah, because he's kind of like a, a Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them character in a way, because he's got all these magical kind of animals that he rescues. And I mean, they're not Which magical. They don't use but, nearly enough. Yeah. Yeah. So like you're saying, I don't know. Yeah, this is this is all very depressing. But I think that yeah. um, at least Giorgio is going to be hanging out with Sexy Voke. And at least for now, <laughs> Burnham and Book are hooking up. So this is we can just rest with that for now. We will. Yes. Thank you for bringing it back. I appreciate it. I was a little, I just, I didn't know what to and, do with all of that bullshit that was just and, put into the and universe. The of, and, the, and the guardian of forever is a nice old guy named Apparently. Carl. Actually, that was, I, I thought when I, I watched that episode and then like the next day was the last, the, the, uh, the season finale of the Mandalorian. And I thought, oh, it's fan service week. We don't, because, yeah, we don't talk about that here. <laughs> because it was, it was like. It was oh they brought back the Guardian of Forever on Star Trek and, and they're like hey what do you th- hey nerds remember yeah. this you know yeah. and I was like oh yeah the Guardian of Forever and and then they do the season finale of the Mandalorian and I'm and they and they did the same thing they're like hey nerds remember this and I was like oh it's fan service yeah week. Nobody it is fan service the holidays are always fan service time it's true it's, it's <laughs> yeah. we all that Merry warm fuzzies Christmas. yeah okay so yeah. a lot happens in episode eleven um, which. I don't hate until I do, you know, like I was here for a lot of this and like, okay, so you've got, um, well, I just, I need to say this again and I'm saying this every time. So gray is back. Um, Adira is like, holy shit, you're back. And I love that Stamets is like talks to gray and then walks away. Like that whole scene I thought was adorable. I still hate that. Like the two gender nonconforming people are like, in a couple and one is in each other's head. And also the whole like having your lover in your head thing is not like, that's just a mess. 
Um, so that's a little frustrating to me still, but I don't know what they're, I don't know what they're going to do with gray. I, I feel like this is a very strange, interesting thing. Is gray going to like be able to form somehow because they were like, gray was talking about how he's stuck and can't interact with anyone else, which I thought was like yeah. really interesting. I just don't know what they're doing with all of this. So I feel like it's really strange I, yeah. that all of the queer couples, like one of them is either undead or invisible, or there was like Tilly's like mushroom <laughs> girlfriend. Um, I don't even know what that was. It was like a lesbian mushroom episode. Oh, I totally that forgot about her. Seriously yeah. was the greatest. I was like, I also want a lesbian mushroom girlfriend. Um, and, but it's really, isn't it kind of odd? It's like, okay. So every queer couple has some kind of weird, I don't know, supernatural element, uh, to their relationship. Well, and I, like, I'm just frustrated with, I'm, I'm, I'm so, I'm so excited that Star Trek has a non-binary and a trans character. I'm so excited by this. I'm very frustrated with the particulars of it. Right. Like, I'm very frustrated with, like, why are gender pronouns an issue at this time in the world? Like, that's weird that the way that they we talked about this last last episode, but the way that they, like, declared their pronouns was very weird as if anyone was, like, challenging that, like, or they had to come out. Why would you have to come out? Why is that the thing that we're dealing with this far (laughs) into the future? Um, And then the fact that the trans character is dead but like stuck in, it's just, I like that's, I find all that frustrating, yeah. but I think they, yeah, they, they need to, they need to find a, I, I hope that they're building up, especially with that scene you mentioned where gray is like, it's frustrating that I can't interact with anybody else. I hope that's a foreshadowing of somehow they're going to pull some star Trek stuff and, and pop him out of her head yeah. somehow. Uh, I hope the, that's her, where they're they, building to. Well, well, sorry. Yeah. I miss, I misgendered that. Adira, Adira is gray they, and gray is, is, is he. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, um, but I hope that's what they're building up to. I do too. I don't know how they're going to do like, it, but it's still uh, also just I want to shout out emitter, uh, blah blah blah. Us <laughs> <laughs> like clarifying ge- pronouns and stuff right now. I just want to shout out. I've been reading Charlie Jane's new book that you all should pre-order, and I love in it, which I'm sure Emily you've already read <laughs> and been a part of. But I love the, in it that there is this whole like when someone introduces themselves, it, they, it their pronoun is just announced, and it's just no muss, no fuss. And I'm like, oh cool, this is someone who's actually thought about like future and like the evolution of progressive politics in a way that makes a lot of sense. And it was just. I I just I was cheering. Yeah, I love that. I was that. like, this is the sh- <laughs> this is what I want. Yeah, in in Charlie's vision, like the universal translators just know your your pronoun, and so it's automatic. Yeah. No, you can't right. misgender someone because the universal translator always gets it right. Which I was like, yes, thank you. <laughs> which is incredible. I would love that. That's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. So good. It's perfect. Anyways. I think there. I mean the the reason that I think it was it, they had to have that scene on. Discovery was was for our benefit, of course. You know? yeah. And but and, it was and, and, and clearly be it was clunky, but and, and clearly because I I mean just like thirty seconds ago I just unthinkingly misgendered Adira. Uh, you know it's it's necessary. You know we need to have that. It needs to be stated, like to have the character say, well, "Actually, I'd prefer to be so referred to as as they from now on." Even though in that future it probably wouldn't be a big deal at all. It wouldn't be something they think about at all. But for us, in our Discord, know, need- in Feminist Frequencies Discord, someone brought up that like maybe it's not a problem. Like gender pronouns aren't an issue in the future. It's that Adira right. like like decided they were they, uh, you know, like just that their pronoun is changing and that their, you know, identity, they want their pronoun to match their identity. Um, But the way that it was done felt so um, defensive as opposed to just like, Hey, shout out, uh, let everyone know that this is what's happening now, you know, like that kind of thing. So, but, uh, but there, that's just an, a hypothesis because none of that was made clear on the show at all. So. Anyways, all of this is to say that, like, we are we are obviously going to nitpick the hell out of the way that this is done, even though because, like, it's the first time it's the only one in this, like, huge monumental moment. Um, And no matter what they did, we would have been like, but, well, (laughs) you know, it's true. So I'm going to just call myself out on that. Okay. It does. It, yeah. Oh, sorry. Well, it, it does. It, it does feel. Uh, I agree with you, and I think we talked about this last time I was on too. Like, it feels weird that the the queer characters are sort of sequestered together, and it feels like I, maybe the, the writers were like, "Well, we can't just have trans characters there. That's boring. We have to have some Star Trek shit happen." Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, okay, I guess. I mean, you could just have them there. 
I mean, we it probably wouldn't be that much of a, of a problem, but sure, have some Star Trek. Yeah, no, you could have just had <laughs> you know? a character who's just trans, and it's like that's it. It's just yeah. a trans actor playing yeah. this character, and everybody just yeah. genders them correctly, and that's it. Yeah, totally. Okay, anyway, so that's uh, not at all an important part of this episode, <laughs> although I find it to be really important. It was actually it was a it. very nice moment. It was uh, yeah. it was a good scene. And, and Stamets, who's like hardcore science, is like, yes, I believe you. I believe that you're not losing your mind and that there is a thing happening that's real. And like, like I one don't really believe it in the character of Stamets, but I love it. Like I'm not I'm not going to question it. I like I really like this dynamic that they have. I loved that moment where Gray, uh, not Gray, sorry, Adira is just like holy crap! Like these people all love each other and they're a family, and I don't have family and I'm alone. And Gray left me, and I'm a hormonal teenager, and like all of that stuff. And like Stamets being like, "No, you're a part of this now." Like that, yeah. I just thought that was really lovely. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good moment. He's a, he's become very sympathetic. Yeah. yeah. Stamets has, yeah, Stamets has really come along God, nicely this season. Horrible I think. nightmare in the first he, season. I hated him so much. I, God. I do. I, I appreciate that they have allowed you, when you, you mentioned about how he's like hardcore science guy, but they have, they've allowed him to take into account the fact that he has had these incredible experiences on the show up to this point. So that he's not, they're, they're not like agent scullying him where, you know, no matter what he experiences, he never in, incorporates any of the information. <laughs> <laughs> from his experience you know it's like he he never changes and in this it's like like when when he was talking to Adira at the beginning of the whole you know oh my my dead boyfriend lives in my head now thing and he wasn't and he was like look I've been through some shit too that's not all that unlike that and maybe to someone else it would sound weird but I it makes perfect sense yeah, to me totally. because of what's happened to me and I was like yes exactly that's exactly how a rational reasonable person would react. Yeah, I think that's yeah. right. I you think know? it's it's that kind of those moments of radical inclusiveness where it feels like Star Trek disco is very Star Trek, you know, like what we think of as yeah. being very yeah. Star Trek. And it's, you know, it's nice because it's a metaphor for queerness and gender queerness, but it's also about being non-neurotypical and about how do you treat someone whose brain doesn't work like your brain? You know, instead of being like, ooh, what? You're hearing voices? You're just like, oh, okay. So that's what's going on with your brain. Great. You know, you're still our friend. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. So yeah, I really like that. All right. So the bulk of this episode is <laughs> is about um, Discovery figures out that they go to – um, sorry. I have too many different notes. Um they find out that the the call from Dr. Issa, um, who is the only other um, Kelpian that that they've seen so far, I guess the race has been exterminated or something difficult, challenging. I don't remember what happened to them in this timeline. Um, so they 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 go to the Verubin Nebula, which is where this distress call was coming from a hundred years ago, and they see that there's a life sign on the sh- on in on the planet. Or the ship or whatever. Um, so that's like the the big insinuating moment. There's They find out that Osira is about to attack uh, Kaminar, which is the Kelpian homeworld, I think. Um, because yeah. cause, um, cause, what's his name? Our favorite captain who's... Saru? Yes. <laughs> I'm like looking at both of you being like, what is, what is it? Come Saru. on, help me out. Like, Don't let me hang Yeah. No, no, no. Captain yeah, Saru. Saru. Well, Saru is just like, oh my God. Anyways. Okay. So they go down, they get there. There's a bunch of shit that happens. Book comes in and saves the day uh, and sa- like starts to sacrifice himself. And he's just so fucking hot and wonderful. And um, <laughs> they get to the planet and... Everyone looks different, which I thought was fucking hilarious and kind of wonderful. Like, I, I sorry, I'm, I'm doing a lot of uh, exposition here just to set us up into what we're talking about. But like, I so there's there's the the Doctor Issa has a baby. Uh, the kid is born and like raised by inside of a hollow program with hollows, mm-hmm. like hollow people. Mm-hmm. And um, so when. When they land, when the away crew lands on the the planet, they all look different to fit into the program, which I thought was like one's a Bajoran, one's a Trill, and one's a human, which I thought was a really interesting thing. And the fact that this this kid has been raised for a hundred years on this 
Hollow Sweet. Like, all of this is interesting. I'm here. Like, I'm on board for all of this up until this point. Like, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Thoughts before we get into what this means. I thought, uh, my first thought when I, when they beamed down to the planet and they were all different, I thought, and it's the same thing I thought when, when Giorgio and Burnham beamed down to the snowy planet at the beginning of the last two-parter and there was like an old white guy and a door in the middle of nowhere. I thought, okay, this is some classic Star Trek shit. But but also it's not like they don't have humans. So why couldn't they just be humans? With different clothes, yeah. you know, oh but God. I still I, just I, I did. be themselves. Yeah, because they also have I know. I did. I, yeah. It felt random. It felt like they were just randomly assigned different species. And I was like, well, okay, well, good for Doug Jones. You know what? I he know. doesn't you have to wear Doug the Kelpian yeah. makeup. I thought that was sweet. And, and it's a nice reminder that it's not just the makeup and the character design. He is actually a great yeah. actor. You know, sure. I mean, because he he did so good in this episode uh, at playing the the human version of Saru and still playing Saru, but playing it without the prosthetics. I thought it was just really, really well done. Um, but yeah, that's that was my first thought was, oh, this is some there, and they've done this a couple times this season. It feels like almost they made a concerted effort to try and come up with at least episode concepts that harken back to like I'm not just you know TNG DS9 era stuff, but like TOS classic Star Trek stuff, like just weird inexplicable stuff that they beam down into the middle yeah. of and you're just like oh it's classic star that's trek really true and i kept thinking that um the episode which winds up being about like this kind of um man child with superpowers was also very original mm-hmm. series where there's at least very much. two episodes about out of control kids who have this like apocalyptic superpower um and so to mm-hmm. me, that was incredibly disappointing as a plot device. Uh, yes. And just, I mean, okay, the burn, really? The burn is caused by, like, a man-child with superpowers? Like, I get that the Trump era has kind of rewritten everything, but, like, <laughs> come on. Like, well, I, we know how wrong okay, that can go now. I think that this new, uh, like, the new Trek shows like Picard included in this is that they set up these huge mysteries that are really Mm -hmm. interesting and then just fail to deliver a decent answer to them like over and over again. And you're just like, this is not, this is what caused the burn. Like I was so fucking mad. I was so mad. Like it's just, so a couple of things. I was gonna say one more thing, especially after we had all of this ramp up with like incredibly intricate, like diplomatic relations and like political maneuvering. And it's like, and nobody else figured this out. Yeah. In a hundred something, 125 years. I, and and the answer isn't political. That's like what really pissed me off was yeah. it was like, well, but it's all there's like the Vulcans and the Romulans an and like, you know, it's just it's just an angry child. OK. And here's the thing is if this kid <laughs> was raised by this hollow suite of characters, like, would he really be as emotionally stunted? Like, you know, because the idea is that he lives at the site of trauma, like the age of trauma, right? Yeah. That he didn't grow up to be mm-hmm. an, a, a, like a, a functioning adult. I don't really know what language to use here. That's not like, I, I don't want to, I feel like there's a lot of territory here that could be super ableist in terms of like how we think about this character. Um, but I don't really buy it because you have an enormous amount of programs that are very sophisticated. And like, is it the being alone for that long? Would you actually feel alone if you had all these characters? You obviously know a lot. I, like, I just, I, I don't know. I don't fully, I'm not fully immersed in in the the this thing. I did, I did not. I did not not like <laughs> the the like having to face your fears kind of, you sure. know, the monster was something that he created and da, 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 da. Like, that's fine. I'm here for that. But like that causing the burn and that they can't leave until they literally can't leave uh, the um, the space, the the hol- the program until they force this kid to face his fears, mm-hmm. which is not a thing you can force people to do. Well, you can, I guess, if their fears have been, like, manifested through whatever is going on. Right. Okay, can I tell you my incredibly paranoid theory about what's actually happening in this episode? Oh, boy. Please. (laughs) Okay. So, we know that um, there's all these things about the Kelpian brains that we're still trying to understand, right? Like, they've been oppressed for this really long time by the Ba'ul, who they used to oppress, right, on their homeworld. 
And then the Ba'ul took over and started oppressing them and kills Kelpians before they go through their brain puberty, right? And when they go through brain puberty, they become, like, (laughs) they become much more, um, you know, they become stronger and more intelligent and all this other stuff. Okay, so now we also know in this episode that this man-baby Kelpian probably has intertwingled his brain with like the dilithium in some way and that's why he caused the burn because somehow he's like a space-time thingamajigger now because i mean i'm just saying it's based on kind of hints that we've been given we don't really know if this is what has happened but like they hint that there's something kind of like fantastical that's happened to his brain because he matured in this space full of dilithium so okay so here's my paranoid theory is that they're actually heading toward justifying the fact that the Kelpians were oppressed by these colonizing bastards who ate them. Um, because, in fact, if their brains mature for long enough, they become like Dark Phoenix or something. They become overpowered. Ooh. They're so powerful that their brains can like literally destroy the galaxy or destroy the universe, right? So actually they needed to be held back they needed to be prevented from like self-actualizing through brain puberty because they're so dangerous so also i to add to your conspiracy theory uh they do talk (laughs) about the they do make it a major point to bring up the vahare again in Mm -hmm. episode 10 and compare what georgia is going through with the which i think is completely unfair and unreasonable uh but what the the comparison of what Georgia is going through with what the Kelpians have to go through. Mm-hmm. So like they are reminding us of this thing that we didn't think about for a long time. Yes. And so and and we, yeah. you know, we don't know what Kelpian brains are capable of, you know, because we haven't ever really seen a Kelpian fully mature. This is, you know, and we certainly haven't seen one mature on like planet Dilithium. So it might just be that right. Kelpian brains are somehow compatible with materials that alter space time and then they can turn into like i said like the dark phoenix phoenix of the kelpian world so the reason why i call this a paranoid conspiracy theory is just because it would be so annoying to have a plot (laughs) point that winds up kind of backward justifying this horrific colonial relationship between the bowel and the kelpians you know where it's like well we put these chains on you to you know save the universe and like save you from yourself so if they do that, I am yeah. going to smack everyone, just everyone on the street. I'm just going <laughs> to walk up to people on the street and smack them. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what this is about, but trust me. Trust me. You deserve it. This is completely justified. <laughs> I do. It feels like with, with the way this episode ends, with the way the cliffhanger was going, it feels like they're trying to kind of move away from it for the last two episodes. Like it's, it feels like almost like, well, we, we told you what caused the burn. So now we can yeah. move on. You know what that, I mean? I hope that's and right. I yeah. Don't, yeah. Cause I mean, what, cause what your conspiracy theory does sound, it's upsettingly plausible. I know. Right. I, mean, I was g- like, given, no, yeah. wait, maybe Yeah, mm-hmm. like they wouldn't do that. Would they? they? Would. But I, so yeah, yeah, oh, they would. So I, I, I hope that it doesn't go in that direction for all the reasons you just said, but um, I, uh, I, it does. It, it, that's one of the things that, cause I, I had the same sort of quibble uh, that you had Anita about the, like the revelation of the cause of the burn, which is like, you know, and it's because it, they've, they've had this problem. They, they had the same problem in Picard. They had the same problem in season two of discovery, which is they build up this mystery mm-hmm. for, you know, eight tenths of the season. And then it's like, guess what? It's this. And by that point, no matter what it is, it's going to be disappointing because they've, they've built up to it so much. And you're just like, Oh, okay. Like it didn't piss me off. I wasn't annoyed when they said, this is what caused the burn. I was just, I reacted how I predicted I would. I was just like, Oh, Oh, okay. I I guess that's what it is then. I fucking hate (laughs) it. I think it's so so stupid and and Annalie, I don't I didn't put that connection together, but that's totally it. Is that it's not a political issue. It's like a completely helplessly fabricated, non-nothing, like and it like it wasn't yeah. even the kid suffered because he was raised alone, but it wasn't like some like 
I, I don't know, man. It just, it really, it, it made me like real mad. It wasn't like the Romulans had teamed up with somebody to try to cripple the Federation or, you know what I mean? Like, it felt like. Or see, even if it was like. Oh, sorry. No, no. I, I, I'm just trying to say, like, it would have been much more interesting to me if it had been like, oh, there was a secret alliance of, of groups that wanted to prevent the Federation from continuing its spread. And so they came up with this plan. Like, that would have been much more satisfying. Yeah. And I would be okay that that the burn was an accident, um, yeah. like they were insinuating with the Vulcans, right? Mm-hmm. That it was like some like an experiment right. gone wrong or something like that. Like I would be okay with that if it if it made sense in the context of we were doing this thing and yada yada yada, but not this. Like I just and I I don't know. Are they like are the writers patting themselves on the back here, being like we came up with something nobody would have guessed? And I'm like, okay, but there's a reason we never would have guessed this. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, that doesn't make it good. That doesn't mean it's good just because we didn't guess. But at least um, they get to have yeah. a therapeutic moment with Doctor Colbert, like helping a child. Colbert yeah. and lullab- singing like you're lullabies. saying, Colbert this season is is so delightful, and I really hope. I really hope they're not going to kill him off again in the season or something like that. Oh, like, that would be they awful. Can't. I, yeah. I, I think that yeah, no the way. internet would literally explode. It would not. Yeah. But they did do a whole thing. Well, I guess they did a whole thing to reaffirm that he had previously died because they did a whole thing with yeah. Stamets about like, don't go, don't go, don't go, um, you know, being stuck there. I don't think they will, but there is always that fear. Yeah, I don't. I think they'll do some nasty thing to another character. Like, you know, it is really possible yeah. that Book will be killed. You know, that maybe that'll be our. Mm. Yeah, Steve, you now put the terror. Hey, I don't into want me. anybody being mad. Don't 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 be mad at me. I'm if not. That don't shoot <laughs> I mean, the messenger. Just, you know, Annalie's gonna come over just, and slap <laughs> you. That's what's gonna happen. <laughs> well, well but apparently everybody's gonna get slapped if the no, <laughs> everyone on the trail to Steve is gonna get slapped. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna oh, stay far away from that. <laughs> a swath of destruction. No, I just think um, it's but all so the other thing. Yeah. The other thing that happens is that like, and I loved this until I hated it, is that they, that (laughs) Saru leaves Tilly, like, okay, very Star Trek, right? Saru, Michael is worried that Saru's personal feelings are getting in the way of this mission. Totally. A hundred percent that's happening. And like, cool, let's explore that. I love this, right? Uh, Leaders are human too. Uh, and then he leaves Tilly in charge and Michael gives Tilly this sweet prep talk, which reminded me of like the best moments of season one, which were few and far between <laughs> of just like the two of them together. Um, and, and so Tilly is like doing her thing, like being the captain and everyone is supporting her and like, whatever we've talked about how kind of stupid it is that Tilly is captain, but I love it. Like I absolutely fucking love it. Um, And then they set something up so that Tilly is forced to fail of no fault of her own. There's literally nothing she could have done to avoid Mm -hmm. Osiris attack and and like anticipated it or strategized around it or whatever. The only thing that they can do now, and they did this in the preview, is that like Tilly will figure out a way to get out of it. Right. But like, think about it. She's going to be forever fucked up that she failed in her first command. And she's going to think it's her fault when it's not. And I just hate that they set this up. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. I bet she'll end up triumphing enough that she'll learn a valuable lesson, but like won't be permanently (laughs) traumatized. Um, I love also that we found out about the weird like clitoris on the bottom of the chair, whatever. I was like, and all of the captains have been like rubbing it. And I was like, oh, that's really nice. (laughs) I actually, this is really dumb, but I, so um, I, during lockdown, I had a friend help me build a custom desk and um, there is a little knot, like a, the knots where it pops out, like the center pops out, like right kind of where my hand would sit. And I just rub it all the time. And I just like yeah. feel it and the texture of it and like what I'm thinking or whatever. And I'm just like, oh, that's my little, that's the same thing, right? Where you just take a minute and you feel this like touching stone. I loved it. I thought it was a nice touch. Yeah, it was. It was yeah, really me too. Cool. I really yeah. liked that. There were definitely yeah. great moments. And I did love that Tilly rises to the challenge of smack talk. Um, yeah. And so you saw a little bit of, of Killy in, in there. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, like it was good. It was like, oh, that makes sense that she would actually be able to do this. So I, I still think Osira is the worst casting. Like, I don't buy that this person that looks and acts and talks like this is this, like, big bad ruling the universe to rival everybody. Like, I just, I, 
hate the casting. Is she of like this character. the leader of the chain, or is she kind of like their Darth Vader? Like she's some kind of like military leader, or is she actually the big boss of the whole chain? I can't actually figure out the politics of the chain. Yeah, she she doesn't. I mean, I think the problem with her as a villain is that she never she. She she seems to me just as kind of like a space gangster. Yes, totally. And it's like I a know space that like the that's fe- fucking everything up for everyone, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and has well, like snake like, tentacles it, that can take over yeah. ships now. But it's like I know that the Federation snake and Starfleet are are <laughs> snake tentacles. Was like that was, it was. no no. <laughs> Animal, I, but okay. I knew what you meant. Snaky tentacles. <laughs> the, I, I like. I, I know that the Federation and Starfleet are greatly diminished in this time period, but still, it feels a little weird that like all of Starfleet and all of the Federation are are being bedeviled by someone who feels like a space gangster. Feels like someone who would have been a villain on like one episode of Next Generation, and it's like she's the big bad of the whole season. And I just I don't think they've done a good job of of establishing the scope of her. Totally, you know, and what also they don't—they're—they just—they're—they're wrapping everything up with a bow here, is what's happening. Because one, how can she um, pretend to be a Federation ship? How did she get there when she doesn't have a spore drive? And there's not like, does she have? I mean, she probably has the like she probably has some dilithium, but even then, yeah, I, I don't know how far apart these places are, but it's made to seem like. People can't travel very far, mm-hmm. very quickly. Um, right. You know, why does she all of a sudden have snake tentacles <laughs> when, <laughs> like, did she, she didn't have that in their last fight. Did she develop it over the last, like, 30 days? Like, this new technology thing? I don't know. I just, a lot of, a lot of things felt very convenient in order for Osira to be able to take over Discovery. Yeah, I, I totally And agree. they could just all beam on board all of a sudden? Like were the shields down to nothing? I don't, you know, like they I don't they know. actually weren't down yeah. to nothing, and it was right. it was it was very like I said. I still want to understand the politics of the chain. Are they are they like the evil EU? Like are they a coalition? Are they gangsters? Are they right. another like version of the Federation in the sense that they have a big huge part of space? Or I, I just don't get what they are. So I want to know more about that yeah um, i'm sure we will learn well that'd be in the nice next two episodes i would actually mind. we might not we're just gonna i i suspect osira is gonna get if this season is tied up with a bow osira is gonna get knocked out of her post you know like they're gonna um find like they're gonna have this dilithium resource and like maybe the next season is about the federation rebuilding or some shit like that but maybe not osira might survive and then it's more osira battles but i doubt it well i think the chain is still gonna be a big bad maybe but i i don't know i i keep thinking you guys have probably already talked about this but i keep thinking that um admiral salt and pepper or whatever his name is um admiral (laughs) hair club for men is like um in league with the chain (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, he does. He seems shifty. He's Although, always like, oh, the chain is attacking, but we wouldn't want you guys to go there. Why don't you go to the other side of the galaxy? And it's like, why not? Why don't you want us to come and intervene? I don't know. Seems weird. That is interesting. I do. I don't want to think badly of him. Um, Although it's hard not to because they're playing it very like... I don't know what the word is. They're playing it very like it could go either way. Mm-hmm. I do. I was saying that last um, the the last episode that I was that like I liked that he had that sort of moment with Saru instead of just being like, I was doubtful of everything that you've ever done that you ever wanted to do. And now I'll let you do everything that you want to do every time. Right. But that he actually said that stuff to Saru about explaining like why sometimes it's important to remember humanity, why like making certain choices, like the, 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 um, sometimes it's not about the greater good kind of thing. And you have to like take care of your crew and that sort of stuff. So I like that humanized or brought it back to like, okay, he's like, he cares, but he's definitely, and this is part of the, like the larger arc that I've struggled with is like, they keep defending the Federation as if, it's the same thing that it was 900 years ago and not listening to every single person that's like Federation shady, Federation shady, Federation shady. Like, why are you still like roaming the universe being like, we're fighting for the Federation when you're like, I don't know anything about them. It's like, dudes, you're fighting for the Holy Roman Empire. Are you sure about that? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I don't get it. So 
I don't know, man. We'll see. We got two more episodes left. I'm sure a lot of things will happen that uh, will be very frustrating. <laughs> it will be like, <laughs> how did they jibble jabble that together? I'm sure there'll be a lot uh, more scenes of everyone hugging and crying too. Like that's, you know, there'll have to be like at least <laughs> I sure 10 hope so. minutes of hugging and crying that are totally unearned. And then that, and then we don't get any action. And I'll get super emotional during them. Absolutely. Well, I mean, that will absolutely happen. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I got real emotional with the Michael Giorgio stuff about Giorgio leaving. Like I was just, I couldn't help it. Yeah. They're just so delightful. And I though, did. I did too. too. I did too. And I know. I I knew it was totally unearned. Like intellectually, I knew I should not be this moved by this, but I was. They yeah, have totally, done totally a really good job with Michael this season. An exceptional job with Michael in the way that's like allowing um, Sonequa Martin Green to really act, like really act in a way that I didn't yeah. really find her that compelling before, but like they're giving her a lot more to work with a lot more complexity. Um, and I think that like just everything with Michael this season for me, I'm just like, yeah, I'm here. I'm, I'm here. I like, I will follow this. I will believe this because it's just, it's just better. It is they're better. Better with her. I love that they're now in the far future. To me, that's the thing love that it. rescued the show. Like I always wanted the show to be in the far future. And when the show was first being talked about and Brian Fuller was still involved as a showrunner, he said that he wanted each season to go further into the future. And I was like, oh my God, give me that show. And then, you know, I got <laughs> what I got. And then when we finally got to go into the future, I was like, at last, one tiny bit of what I was promised. So I hope we, maybe we'll yeah, go even and further in the future. That would be badass. Totally. And I don't want them to keep having to be like, this and reference that and bring back this person and blah, blah, blah. Like they can, but when you're that far into the future, you have so much more to explore. And again, it's Voyager style, right? You have so much opportunity to just make shit up and bring stuff out of nothing that like, I want that, Mm -hmm. you know? So, yeah. Um, All right. Let's, uh, let's wrap up real quick with uh, ratings. So you can give respective ratings on both episodes together separately, and you can rate them however you would like to rate them. (laughs) It's very boundaryless, which makes everything very difficult. <laughs> Who wants to go first? I can yeah, you go. go. Great. Because I, I already thought up my cutesy rating system, see? Um, <laughs> I, will give, I, will give, I will give Terra Firma Part 2 6 out of 10 editions of the Guardian of, the, of Forever's newspaper, the Star Dispatch. Yes. Uh, which, is, which is like the nerdiest little detail in those episodes for people who noticed it. Um, and for uh, Sukal, I will give that 3 out of 5 little comforting nubs on the bottom of the armrest of the command chair. Ooh, yeah. I like that. I always want to <laughs> use the little nub as my as my rating. Um, okay, <laughs> I'm going to give Terra Firma Part 2 a 2 out of 5 Icheas. As you recall, Ichea Ooh. is the beautiful saber-toothed cat pet um, from a previous episode uh, about um, the Guardian of Forever. Um, and for... Um, oh, shit. What was the name of the other episode? <laughs> Uh, it was Sukal. Right. Sukal. <laughs> wow. Okay. Sorry. It's been a long hour. Um, so <laughs> I will give Sukal um, maybe, I'm going to give it like three out of five on the ganglia scale. Um, and, Ooh, nice. you know, and, and here's, you know, I might, I might raise that if, if it doesn't turn out that we're going to blame Kelpian brains for everything bad in the universe. So. We can definitely retroactively raise it. Yeah. No problem. Yeah, totally. Uh, I forgot to mention that I really in- liked that Sukal is the name that um, is the recognition of the end of suffering. So the first child born after like suffering takes place, you name the child Sukal. And I think that that it is a little extra because then every child will probably be named Sukal. But like, <laughs> like this kid's kid's going to be named Sukal. But I still kind of I liked it. I liked the the poetry of it yeah i liked that we got a glimpse Um, of me too kelpian tradition yeah oh totally i did like that a lot um i also okay i'm gonna rate mine here i'm just gonna change my rating system on the fly because that's how we go um okay so okay episode 10 i'm gonna use uh snake tentacles as my rating system (laughs) and i'm gonna give it a 
I don't know, a 3.75 out of 5 because, like, I actually enjoyed this episode, but mostly because I thought I was really going to hate it. So, you know, we're grading on a curve here. Um, and then episode 11, Sukal. This one is hard for me, and um, I want to rate it based on um, Hologram Michael and her social skills <laughs> because that was delightful. <laughs> I really liked almost all of this episode until I really didn't. So, like... I don't know how to rate this. I'm just going to, I'm going to give the parts that I really liked a four out of five hologram Michaels and the parts that I didn't like a fucking minus 25 out of 55 uh, hologram Michaels. Cause it just, that ending man pissed me off. A whole wow. Lot. What does that even average out to? Nothing. Yeah, that's- it's math. It's science. It's, it's space math. Yeah. It's space math. <laughs> it's yeah. All right. It's mush- um, mushroom math. <laughs> there you it's, go. Yeah. There you it's go. As, it's as scientific it as the spore drive. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, okay. Uh, where can folks find out more about you? Do you want to plug anything you've got coming up? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Annalie N. And I also have a Substack newsletter called The Hypothesis. And the only mm. thing I want to plug is that my book, Four Lost Cities, is coming out in February after being delayed yeah. by the pandemic. So if you like archaeology and lost cities, check it out. Hell yeah. I want to do that. Yeah. You, if you want to send me an advanced reader copy, I'll take one. I will, I will make sure that you get one. I think you're, you'll dig it. It's got some good shit. I, I'm sure I will. It sounds amazing. Steve? Uh, you can find me at youtube.com slash Steve Shives. And I also co-host a couple of podcasts as a part of the Lemmy Listen family of podcasts, which you can find at lemmylistenpodcasts.com. Sweet. Yay. All right, y'all. That is it for this week. If you want to support this show, um, you can donate to our end of your campaign, which you can find out more about at feministfrequency.com slash femfreak. Um, we are going to be streaming on New Year's Eve. I have no idea when or what or why or how because I haven't figured any of that shit out. But follow us at twitch.tv slash femfreak and you'll get notified when we go live. Um, you can also join us in two weeks when my missing in action co-host who's flaked on me this whole goddamn fucking season, Ebony Adams, our favorite, <laughs> returns to talk about the last two episodes of the season. And I'm sure we will get a highly anticipated hair report. So thank you, everyone. Thanks, both of you, for joining us. And we will see you in a couple weeks. Bye. Bye.